everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon. We have a great episode for you today, but make sure that you subscribe on YouTube. Go to Ignite Global Ministries. You can also find our audio podcast on Apple and Spotify. And if you forget all of that, just go to conversationswithbendixon.com. Today, we're going to be talking about transformational discipleship. And one of my great friends and a mentor in my life is with us today. Our special guest is Pastor Dale Everest from New Song Nashville. What's up, Pastor Dale? It's good to be with you, Ben. So yeah. happy to have this opportunity to have a really important conversation. And you flew out from Nashville just to be here this morning. Correct. <laughs> right? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> That's how big this podcast is, guys. It's from coast to coast. It's from nation to nation. No, Pastor Dale is actually with us here at Northwest Church this weekend, and his wife, Joan, is going to be speaking at our women's conference. So if you haven't registered, uh, this will be a week late, so you can't. Anyways, it was a great time. I'm prophesying. But Pastor Dale is, uh, is known for making disciples. And that means on a church level, so corporately, but also personally. And this is going to be a great conversation. And if you want to learn about discipleship, which you, if you're a Christian, you should, and you want to know what it means to make a disciple, to be a disciple, this is going to be a great conversation for you. So let me just start, Pastor Dale, uh, knowing that I've learned a lot from you, both listening to you from afar while you're in Nashville and I'm in Seattle, but also the time that we've spent together. Um, I know that you're a strategist. I know that you're somebody who you have experience in the body of Christ, planting churches, making disciples. I just kind of want to ask sort of the opening question, which is today, where we are right now and how God has you focused, what do you feel like is one of the pressing things when it comes to the area of discipleship that you're talking to your church about that we can talk about today? What's What's one of the more pressing things when you think about and talk about discipleship? Right now, there's a lot of talk about a, of course, a global pandemic mm-hmm. and COVID and COVID's on everybody's lips. But I don't think COVID is the greatest pandemic in the world today. Mm. I really believe that the greatest pandemic in the world today is the lack of making mature disciples. Amen. It is a global crisis. Mm-hmm. I was recently mm-hmm. at an event with a a bunch of international leaders, and many of them were from Africa. And they were talking about how many conversions they are seeing, how many people are coming to faith in Christ, genuinely repenting of their sins and dead works and putting putting faith in in Christ as uh, as Savior. Mm -hmm. And people were rejoicing because, I mean, they were like video game numbers, so to speak, Mm. just these massive amounts of conversions. And people are cheering and yelling, but I was waiting for the shoe to drop that I thought was going to drop, and it did. So I'm listening to this Kenyan, this bishop from Kenya, and he's talking about all these mass conversions, and people are cheering and yelling, but he's, he's saying... Don't be too excited mm. about that because we're doing a horrible job of making disciples. Wow. He says there's immorality, idolatry, and corruption in the church there like, like you can't believe. Mm-hmm. And then he said this, help us. Mm-hmm. Help us to know how to make disciples. Mm-hmm. But that's not just on the continent of Africa. Mm-hmm. That's South America. That's North America. That's all over the world. Right. Here in, in the United States... 
uh, we hear time and time again leaders saying, we don't know how to make mature disciples. And basically, a disciple is a lifelong, passionate follower of Jesus, Mm -hmm. follows Jesus fully, Mm -hmm. loves him supremely, and represents him genuinely in the earth. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, in the scripture, uh, there are two different words in Greek that are used for believer and disciple. Mm -hmm. And so you have a lot of believers who are not disciples. Mm -hmm. And the book of Acts uh, picks it up uh, in around the sixth chapter and talks about the number of disciples multiplying. Amen. Yeah. And that even even that that word in in Greek has to do with one who is who is a lifelong learner, helping others to be lifelong learners and followers of Jesus. It's it's taking someone from spiritual infancy to maturity. Mm -hmm. If you were to talk about it in terms of your child, it would be going from delivery to disciple. Mm -hmm. How do you take a child from the moment that they are delivered and born into the world Mm -hmm. unto that day where as uh, a young adult, hopefully even a high school graduate, they are a uh, a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think those, that's a huge issue. The big, actually, I think it's the biggest issue in in the church. Uh, today, obviously, we need to be sharing the gospel. We need to be reaching yep. uh, the lost. But the commission of of Jesus is get the gospel to everyone, everywhere, mm-hmm. and for those who believe, make them into disciples, mm-hmm. teaching them to obey everything that Amen. I have commanded them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you? I mean, we're talking now about the greatest pandemic at least in the church, right, because the church is called to be countercultural. We're supposed to be in the world, not of the world, affecting the world with the gospel, making disciples. We're talking about the greatest pandemic here in the church is not COVID, but it is, in fact, a lack or a deficiency of disciple-making. How do you think we got here? Because I agree with you 100%, and, and, and I don't think that's a shocking statement. I think that's a reality. How do we get here? Well, I think we... We gave ourselves more to events and encounters mm. than we did discipleship processes. Mm-hmm. We were uh, overly optimistic. We mm-hmm. thought if we could get large groups of people together and create a context in which they could encounter God, that it would provide a, a level of of uh, input and impartation mm-hmm. that would help them to to uh, grow strong in Jesus. Mm-hmm. We thought that maybe we've been overly optimistic about classes mm-hmm. and uh, and and about conferences, thinking that they were accomplishing more than they were. We ca- we have continued to try to do uh, in groups mm-hmm. what Jesus did with smaller groups and, and individuals. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't panned out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mean to be disparaging. I don't feel that, that way. But this, this is, in fact, the, the testimony of megachurches, mm-hmm. that we have been effective in reaching large groups of people, perhaps with the gospel, but what we've not been effective uh, in and with is making disciples. Mm-hmm. Because discipleship 
is it doesn't mean that nothing is happening in, in the larger group, but there has to be an individual emphasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus died for individuals that are part of a collective, the community of, of faith, but people have to be, uh, have to be brought up. Mm-hmm. You, 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 could, you wouldn't take a group of children and just teach them and think that that would be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's necessary, but it's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. These events and encounters are necessary, but they're not sufficient. Conferences mm-hmm. are necessary, but not sufficient for fully bringing people into maturity. So I think we got here by giving more attention to uh, the gathering of, uh, of the saints, which I love. I, I love the gathering of the saints. But we haven't paid enough attention to even what you and I are doing right now, and mm-hmm. that is having a one-on-one uh, conversations uh, where there's a life exchange, there's a truth exchange, and, and where you have the opportunity to more effectively shape people. Amen. No, I mean, that's transformational, and I can, I can attest to that. I've sat in... Uh, my dad said to me one time, you know, I've listened to thousands of sermons, and there's only a handful that I can remember that really changed my life. Now, it's obviously important that we continue to listen to truth, right? So the gathering of the saints, the teaching of the word, extremely important. Uh, it's food to our soul. It continues to strengthen us and build us up. But if you don't go to that next level of intentional one-on-one life exchange, the transformation, the fuller transformation doesn't occur. And I've experienced that, right? So both both sides. I'm just kind of thinking about some people that would be watching, and I know that uh, maybe they're thinking, how do I know if I'm, I'm a disciple? Before I get to disciple-making, how does a person let's say, consider themselves a disciple, how would they evaluate themselves? Like, am I, an, am I a disciple? If somebody asked you that question, am I a disciple, what would, what would you say to them? That's sort of in my head. I'm just, just thinking out loud for anybody that's watching today or listening to us. I, w- I want them to be able to have that answer. And, and then if they're not maybe where they need to be, take the next step. So how would you answer that? Yeah, well, I think if someone as a starting point says, I have a deep and abiding passion Hmm. to make Jesus Lord of everything. Mm -hmm. You've stepped through the door of discipleship. Amen. And I am open to having people who know what it means to passionately follow Jesus pour into my life and help to shape me unto uh, transformation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really, you know, uh, Jesus called his followers disciples when they were willing to leave all and follow him. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, uh, and, you know, Jesus multiple times had proven himself. Some, some people think that Jesus walked by one day and, and said to these people, you know, forsake all and follow me, and they dropped their nets and followed him. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had seen Jesus do multiple miracles. 
Uh, and and what really became kind of the kicker for for them was the great catch of fish, mm-hmm. where you know Peter says, "Get away from me! You don't want to be around me, Lord. I'm a sinful man." Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, "Don't don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you'll be catching men." Mm-hmm. Now they leave all and they follow him. Mm-hmm. And when you leave all to follow him, Jesus designates you as a disciple. Mm-hmm. Now you're now you're in process, mm-hmm. and of course the process really is a lifelong. Mm-hmm. Process. You and I continue to grow and and develop as. I mean, I'm pretty much there. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I'm gl- I'm glad that you know you're on the process. But yeah. I I I don't like to say it. <coughs> yeah. I, I I stand corrected. Right. And, uh, and, but other than you, most yeah, of right. us are uh, just, just a joke. Yeah. Amen. All right. <laughs> but being uh, being lifelong learners of the word yeah. and the will and the ways of Jesus. That's right. That we that we are people who who are saying I want to become more and more mm-hmm. like the Lord who saved me. Mm-hmm. I want to know him mm-hmm. and I, I want to uh, I want to follow him fully. I want to love him supremely and I want to represent him genuinely. Mm-hmm. I want people to see Jesus in my life and 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 through my life, mm. and we have the model of of Christ, where while he preached to the crowds, he didn't play to the crowds. Mm-hmm. He 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 spent most of his time sowing his life into these twelve men, right? And uh, and because he did. That that changed the world. They had they had so much to learn. They had so much that they needed to know about who he was and and what he he desired. And he said, "Well, come be with me. Mm-hmm. Come be with me." Mm-hmm. And and uh, now the the challenge is is when I want to be a disciple, uh, can I actually find someone willing to take the time to mm-hmm. disciple me? Mm-hmm. And therein lies uh, a big rub is that we have to prioritize our lives for disciple making. Amen. That's intentionality. Yeah, that's right. We have to because yeah. if, if what we give our lives to prevents us from the very thing that is the double si- the two sides of the Great Commission coin, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of, of what we've done. Everybody's excited about scores and maybe hundreds and even thousands of people coming to Christ. Mm-hmm. But what are we going to do? With those people, mm-hmm. we 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 want to see the lost reached. Mm-hmm. We want to see souls saved, but we also want to see disciples made, mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen by accident any more than parenting right. does. If you're going to be a good parent, your life has to be prioritized around taking young lives and shaping them into what you hope will eventually be them being champions for Christ in the earth. Well, and you're, you and Joan and your family are a great example. In fact, one of the things I wanted to talk about with Pastor Dale, which I won't have the time to next time, is, uh, is learning how to parent by the Word and the Spirit. You're a great example to me, and I want others to hear more about that. But parenting is probably our greatest example of discipleship. And you just went right there, and <clears throat> it's probably the thing that keeps speaking to me the most. Parenting by default 
gets default results. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just sort of parent, I, I joke about parenting from the couch, you know, <laughs> where your kids are doing whatever, you just yell at them from the couch and hope you get something out of your kids to behave properly or do the right thing. But the fact is, is that if you're not going to put your energy and your investment behind your parenting, you know, kids are going to grow up however they do. They're going to get um, unintentional sort of default. Sometimes they're going to get good stuff. Sometimes they're going to get nothing. And I think we have to remember that our lives being intentional, our lives being adjusted for the priority, like you're saying, of the most important thing, which is shaping these lives to become like what the intention is, which is to be like Jesus. And our impartation matters, but it, it isn't going to happen randomly. And, uh, and I love that about you and your family. It's evident in the people that you raise up. Um, I think that actually is, to me, like where I, I want to go. I, I think that um, w- when I ask the question, how does a person know if they're a disciple? And you just talked about leaving all. There's these sacrificial decisions. Um, something that Pastor Steve Shell said to me one time, because I was just asking him like about watching people. Like, how do you know if certain people who claim to be um, disciples or followers of Christ or even pastors for that matter, how do you know if like you you know you can trust them long term? And he said, if you see them make sacrificial decisions in prioritizing their relationship with God and their love for His people, you know those are people that you can begin to trust. But if you don't see any sacrificial decisions being made in their life, you should question whether or not what you just said, they've given all to follow Jesus. And the fact is, if we're not going to give all to follow Jesus, whatever that means today for us, like for the rich young ruler, it was like, you know, sell all or give all you have away to the poor and follow me. It wasn't about money, right? It was about his heart. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think if we're not going to receive transformation, we're not going to bring transformation. And so how have you prioritized discipling other people as a pastor, as, as a father, as a husband? How have you prioritized discipleship? What are the things, some things that you've learned that you think are really important for people like me and, and others that are watching? How do, I, how do I make disciples? How do I start that process? Yeah, well, it starts with the priorit- prioritization of of uh, of of how we use our time, mm-hmm. time, talent, and treasure are Amen. the three main commodities that uh, we have been given. They're kingdom commodities. Yeah, but they belong to God. Time belongs to God. Talent belongs to God. Treasure belongs to God. So we start with asking Him, "How do you want this to look? Mm-hmm. How does my life need to be uh, built and 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 organized?" Mm-hmm. And then you have to make a a commitment to see things through from start to uh, to finish. Mm-hmm. It takes vision. You know, it's like with my uh, with my grandchildren. Uh, Joan and I have six grandchildren, and one of the things I did because they live close. Not everyone can do this, but because they live close. I made a deliberate commitment to bond with every one of my grandchildren when they were babies, That's to powerful. hold them a lot, yeah. where they're never going to remember that, but, uh, but there's going to be a connection between them and their papa that they might not even fully understand. Then I'm going to get on their parents' team, and I am going to 
uh, be intentional about finding time to be with them and, and talk with them about uh, age-appropriate issues in their lives mm-hmm. and to say to them, as long as your papa is on the earth, I want to be in your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I do a lot in, in, in our, our church. We do a lot of personal discipleship. Mm-hmm. My son Joel and I, as you know, have developed a four-book curriculum called the Core Four mm-hmm. that, uh, that we take people through. And, and uh, it is this intentional process. We say often that disciple-making must be personal, it must be thorough, and it must be reproducible. Amen. Yeah. We've got to make an investment in people's lives uh, over the long haul. We've got to be thorough. There has to be, uh, the, the teaching has to be thorough. Mm-hmm. The training has to be thorough. The tracking has to be thorough. The teaching needs to be biblical and systematic. The training needs to be uh, practical and, and, uh, and directed at the assignments that, that people have in their lives. And, and the tracking of their progress needs to be something that is, uh, that is motivating mm-hmm. uh, for them, that keeps people uh, moving on. It's, it's, it's a lot like coaching athletes. Mm-hmm. It takes time. Mm-hmm. You have to have vision, and you have to make an investment, practice after practice. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting. There's nothing that is more important for us as believers in Jesus than to be effective disciples in the earth, yet often we give less attention to that than we do <laughs> training to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an mm-hmm. athlete, a, a tradesman. Uh, you, you know, no one would think that you could ever get skilled at anything without there being systematic, reproducible processes. That's right. But for whatever reason, with discipleship, we tend to make it like a like a boutique building operation. Oh well, I do it. I just get together for coffee and and there's good there's some good in that mm-hmm. but it's not sufficient mm-hmm. uh, we need to have reproducible processes mm-hmm. that produce reproducing disciples no amen I mean <clears throat> one of the things we say here is very it's similar to what you just said I call it a check-in culture. Mm-hmm. We have to move from a check-in culture to a discipleship culture. There's nothing wrong with getting together with people for coffee. Right. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Great. What's on the What's the sports game or whatever? And I think people, as people, we have proved that we can give our time, talent, treasure, our energy, our efforts to things to build skill and to continue to hone our craft in whatever area. I mean, gosh, we've got so many hobbies. It's amazing, like, things like I'm good at. The the things that I'm good at are not just the things I'm gifted at. They're things that I have done over a long period of time. I've learned how to do them by whatever way, whatever systematic way I, I did. And I've practiced and practiced and practiced, and I got good at them. But the fact is, I think the older we get, the more we realize you can only give yourself to too many things to be good at, too, at, at so many things. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we haven't, and we're in this state today as a church, we haven't given ourselves to learn how to make disciples and then just do it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of disciple-making happens by doing it, trying mm-hmm. to do it, going, oh, well, that wasn't great. I'm never going to do that again. 
but actually owning a sense of responsibility for the spiritual development of another person. There's a level of ownership that you can't get by just saying, I'm going to be a small group leader. While that's good, it's actually a good starting place. Like in our church, we have discipleship tracks, which are our classes. Being a big church, we just sort of have an onboarding. Here, you can come to this class, um, new people, and then people that want to use the material can to, can come. It's, it's like you have a core for it. We have discipleship track material. And then the second is discipleship groups. Those are like in homes. Third is discipleship mentors. That's Mm one-on-one. And because some people won't go to a group. I mean, especially in Seattle. I don't know about Nashville, Tennessee, but in Seattle, Mm -hmm. sometimes people, they just don't want to go to somebody's group or somebody's home. They might go to the church building, but then, but they'll meet with someone. So we've developed the, the system. So the system's fine, but the system doesn't work. None of, none of the things that we have works. Um, in and of itself. It's just a system. It's just a structure. It's, it's a context. Um, the content's fine. But if people don't meet with people, mm-hmm. if there isn't a person in that group or there isn't a person in that track or there isn't a person as a discipleship mentor who will take sp- responsibility for the spiritual well-being of another person, where they're calling them and they're, they're not just checking in on them, but they're asking them about their walk with God. They're asking them about their life in prayer. They're asking them about whether or not they're forgiving that person at their work, right? And I've learned this because as somebody who's been in the church as a pastor and a leader, and also maybe even just a prayer team member in my earlier days, people would walk up and say, hey, Pastor Ben, will you pray? And before I was Pastor Ben, it was, hey, Ben, will you pray for me to, um, for a new job? And I would say, well, sure, I'll, I'll pray with you. What's wrong with your current job? <laughs> you have a job, and now you're asking for a new job. Well, I hate my boss. <laughs> so I'm like, it just opens a can, you know, right there. So I'm like, well, I want to pray with them, but I'm not sure if my prayer is going to be in agreement with God. It might be in agreement with them. Mm-hmm. But as a disciple maker, I'm automatically thinking, okay, what's the situation, and have you processed this properly as a disciple? Mm-hmm. Have you forgiven them as Jesus teaches? Mm-hmm. Have you sought to love them, and have you done what Jesus said, pray for them that despitefully use you? Right. That's what a disciple does. Mm-hmm. And so I'm automatically thinking that, just so you know, when you ask Pastor Demen to pray for you, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. But the reason I think like that is because I know that if you leave your job, you take you with you. Mm-hmm. And if you isn't being transformed, it's just going to happen again. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who it is, where it is, you're still the same. So transformational discipleship is where hopefully we're developing a culture that isn't just checking in. How you doing? How right. you doing? That's cool. Let's connect. Let's be friends. Let's have good coffee. Let's eat good donuts. Let's do all that. But if it doesn't go beyond that, what we're saying, what you're saying is that you're not going to have the transformation, the kind of transformation that affects generations, that affects legacy, that causes people that are under us to go farther than us, yeah. which is really your heart. I mm-hmm. mean, your heart is generational transfer. It's mm-hmm. to see your son and your daughters and your family to go farther because you built something that they can build on. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was kind of thinking about, because you guys are a larger church, we're a larger church, and so we're, we have to work harder mm-hmm. at making the church smaller, so to speak. You know, it's, it's, so the systems and the structures are fine, but how is it, you know, what would you, how would you encourage somebody who's, let's say they're a disciple and they're ready to take the next step in making a disciple. What do you feel like, just let somebody that goes to our churches, what would be the next step for them in your mind? Like, hey, I, w- I want to encourage you to really, 
um, take that next step. How would you encourage a person like that that's ready, they're willing, hey, I want to make a disciple? Well, I think some of what you said about Northwest Church, it's like there, there's all kinds of on ramps. Yeah, get involved. Yeah, get, get on one of get that's right. get on one of those on ramps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and one of the things that that we've discovered when people say, well, how how are you how, how do you reach everybody? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if everyone's involved, mm-hmm. then everyone's engaged. Mm-hmm. It isn't about one person or a couple people trying to do it. I've got I usually have anywhere from five to seven guys that I am discipling individually mm-hmm. and uh, and taking them through the core four uh, but and then they're pouring their lives in into other people. Of course, we have our life groups, which is a part of a, of the disciple making context. It's 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 creating a culture of disciple making. Mm-hmm. It's having a disciple making movement uh, within your church, mm-hmm. where it's not you know like most churches have a small group movement in in their church. It's not like a like a dish on a buffet. It is the very heart and soul of who they are. Mm-hmm. And if you make disciple making the very heart and soul of who you are, it makes such a, a, a huge difference. I mean, it's transformational. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, we lived in a home that I call the house from hell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and and this house was like, it was like a horror movie. I don't know if I should be laughing. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it automatically a, went to yeah. laughing. Thanks for laughing. Yeah, it scarred I, me for life. I apologize. But, uh, I but, uh, am praying for your healing. <laughs> <laughs> but we move into this house, and it was actually a new home. It was mm-hmm. just a little cheap tract home, but it was a big deal to our family. We didn't have a lot of money and to own a home. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden... This house started coming apart. Mm. The ceiling started coming apart. The cabinets started coming off of the walls. The garage uh, was lifted. The, the the slab was was lifted up. That is hell. It was frightening. <laughs> and Jeez. and it's like, what is going on here? Well, what we what we found out was the problem was not the house. It was the foundation. Okay. There was a there was a, a disreputable. A businessman right. that was putting forms together mm-hmm. and reinforcement bar in those forms to lay the foundation, getting signed off by the inspector, lifting up the reinforcement bar and taking it to another job site and pouring cement mm-hmm. uh, into forms that, that weren't reinforced. Mm. And because the foundation was faulty, the house was weak and and coming apart. And I've often thought that's the way our lives are. Mm -hmm. We're only as strong as our foundation is. Mm -hmm. And and what we want to do is to do foundational disciple-making. That's right. You know, some people will say you cannot quantify disciple-making. Yes, you can, and you must. Mm -hmm. Jesus said teaching them to observe all things. That is a quantity that I have commanded. Mm -hmm. So what we've sought to do in the core four and what you've sought to do in the materials that you've uh, developed, which you're so great at at writing and developing materials, is to say, what did Jesus command his disciples? Mm -hmm. These are not suggestions. These are commands that are not burdensome. They're blessings. Mm -hmm. And so teaching them that and then 
all the things that the apostles then wrote about. I don't know that we've hit it 100%, but what we've sought to do is to take all the commands that are in the Scripture that God says uh, are not uh, restrictive but liberating, they're not burdens but blessings, and teach people how to operate in those things. Sometimes it's just as simple as teaching somebody how to give their word and keep their word. I mean, how many Christians, you know, give their word, but they don't keep their word? That's that's biblical discipleship 101. I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I'm not answering I mean, that question. I, I am I am always amazed when I will when I will set up appointments with millennials and and uh, less with Gen Zers, but more with millennials who will say, "Are we still on for today?" <laughs> and I will say, "What do you mean? We said we were meeting today. Why why are you asking me that question? It's on if it's on my calendar." <laughs> if I said yes, Psalm 15 says the one who walks with God swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. Oh, man. So, so these are like, it's convicting. So you don't wake up in the morning and wonder if you were going to keep your schedule? Right. <laughs> it's like when I told you last night when, you, uh, when we were flying in and you said, uh, hey, once you get settled, uh, let's, let's talk. I do a, a, a podcast, 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd love for you to join me. I'm in. Okay, that's it. Mm-hmm. That it, whether it's something as simple as that, or or understanding that relationships are not disposable, but mm-hmm. they are covenantal. Mm-hmm. That marriage is not something to be trifled with; it is something to be treasured. Mm-hmm. That um, that uh, the gospel is not something to be hidden; it is something to be heralded in the in the earth. Whatever it might happen to be, these mm-hmm. are not things that come naturally to us. Right. Exactly. They have to be supernaturally sown into our into our lives. That's what disciple making is about. Then. If we slip, mm-hmm. like uh, like Peter did in playing the hypocrite, uh, with when the uh, when there was a Jew and Gentile issue, Paul could pull him up short and confront him to his face, and he would yield because he wasn't giving him new information. Right. He could. Yeah. You know what? That's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. That is hypocrisy. I. 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 And. That's when it really gets to me really fruitful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when my wife kind of, she's very kind, but if she's kind of winding up and she's using the tone <laughs> of voice and she's saying to me, honey, I need to share something with you. Oh, no. And I know she's not pointing towards the bedroom and happy land. Uh, <laughs> happy land is closed for repairs. Uh, she, she, <laughs> I'm about to be confronted on something. Yeah, I know the tone. The Holy Spirit says, you know, get ready to repent. Yeah, amen. And, uh, and I'm, all, I'm tempted to say, I don't even know what it is. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I repent. Please forgive me. Those powerful three statements. I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I was wrong. I repent. Uh, please forgive me. Well, it's that kind of maturity that we're after. Where, you know, the key to racial reconciliation is not better laws. That's fine. The key to racial reconciliation is to be reconciled to God and reconciled to one another in Christ Jesus. You know, Andrew Murray 
the great South African author, said that one of the keys to unity is to have a deep and abiding respect for the work of the Holy Spirit in another person. And we don't create the unity of the Spirit. We guard it. We, we protect it. Okay, those are all discipleship principles that, that God calls us to get anchored in, into our lives. When we find ourselves promoting ourselves, mm-hmm. not informing people about what, how we might be able to serve them, but promoting ourselves, mm-hmm. we know as a disciple that's not God. When mm-hmm. we start campaigning mm-hmm. for, for our own position, mm-hmm. our own popularity, our, our, our own uh, place, the Holy Spirit will say to the mature disciple, don't do that. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's conviction there. So basically what we're trying to do, and we, one of the core four is a resource called Following Jesus, mm-hmm. a Disciple's Handbook. And it's about following Jesus in the way he lived and the way those people lived who knew him best and loved him uh, and loved him most. And the exciting thing is is that this is so doable for everyone. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding is while you're being discipled, Mm -hmm. you get to a point where you say, okay, now you're a little ahead of somebody else. Now let's get you pouring into into their life. Mm -hmm. I remember when I've been at this for 41 years now, disciple-making and and in full-time vocational ministry as, as a pastor. My dad died a couple years ago. I was at his funeral and a man was there uh, who I was discipling 41 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was a half a step ahead of these guys. Mm-hmm. I was 23 years old. And, I, I, and, and yet he said that you took that time with us when we were all young guys you changed my life forever. Wow. And I'm looking back going, man, I don't feel like I hardly knew anything right. back then. Totally. So we all can be involved in this, but there has to be a plan. That's mm-hmm. why this boutique way of making disciples, well, I do it like this and I do it like that. Nothing in the world works like that. Whatever getting on the same page means for a church, mm-hmm. uh, great. But everybody needs to be pulling together because our goal is to, again, be people who follow Jesus fully, love him supremely, and represent him genuinely in the earth. Oh, that's very powerful. Um, there's a lot of things you hit there. One of them that stuck out towards the end is unity. I mean, we really, churches need to be unified around a clear vision for what Jesus called us to, which is to preach the gospel. Um, and also to make disciples. And if churches are fighting within the ranks, obviously that's going to be counterproductive within what we're all trying to do. I mean, individuals, we can go about making disciples to a degree, but if we pull together, we unify around this vision. There's something powerful that really does occur. And those, to me, those are the strongest churches. The strongest churches are the churches that are doing what Jesus said, and they're doing it in a unified way. Yeah, we're going to have issues. And we're going to do what we know to do as disciples. We're going to forgive. We're going to love. We're going to pray. We're going to work through things. But one of the, uh, I, probably the last thing we talk about as you're talking, and I know you really well, and I know me, and I know uh, we are not Pentecostal for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, one of the factors that has been the game changer for me, and it is why I'm Pentecostal, when I came to Christ... It was a radical conversion. I met Jesus in my bedroom, you know, 
uh, early in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. I was on my floor, had an encounter with the Lord. And he supernaturally delivered me of a handful of things that were hindrances in my life and would have been if had they not been delivered. He didn't make me perfect overnight, but he certainly took things out so that new things could be planted. And I woke up the next day and I was in those particular areas. I was different and and I have love in my heart and, and I had a connection to God. But there was something that I didn't have, which several months later, uh, I, I've told our, my story to, I mean, many, many people at this point. But I, I had a friend who got out of prison, and uh, he, he came to Christ radically in prison, and he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he came to our uh, week Book of Matthew Bible study after a church service where we were talking about <laughs> genealogies and the Magi following the star. We had no clue what we were talking about. In fact, I think people... Uh, needed counseling after they came to our Bible study. It was so bad. I'm not exaggerating. I could just remember people sitting on the couch coming to our Bible study going, the longer the longer we talked, the more their heads turned sideways. Like, what are these guys doing? We were just, uh, we were so radical, uh, radically saved, and we were high on Jesus, honestly. It was like the first time I was high on anything other than drugs and alcohol, you know, <laughs> it, just, it, was, it was so amazing. But our friend got out of prison one Sunday uh, or one week, and then we saw him that Sunday and he came over to our Bible study and he starts talking to us about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And he had different words for it, but he started to pray at the end of the Bible study. And all I can say is from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, it was like electricity. Now, not everybody has this experience. It's not a feelings experience, but I had an overwhelming feelings experience where I was thoroughly baptized with the Holy Spirit. I thought I was on fire for God, mm. but after that, I was willing to do anything. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had power that I had never known. I had boldness to share. I had desire in me that just was uncontainable. The compelling that was coming out of me felt otherly. It, it was bigger than me. And it was God launching that, you know, where I'd have to learn how to depend on the Holy Spirit, but he was just showing me how powerful he was and how he could help me do what the Word calls me to. I have found, and I know you know, you know, know this better than I do, and you preach this, teach this, um, you've led people in this experience, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, as sort of an activation of, and a, and a necessary element of a disciple's life. Um, I have found that sometimes if I just can't lead somebody, if somebody isn't baptized with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that they just don't become these effective disciple makers. Mm-hmm. And so as we kind of maybe come towards an end of the podcast, I just want to talk for have you talk a few minutes about the necessity of the baptism with the Holy Spirit as, as a disciple and a disciple maker. Um, have you seen that experience and emphasis just just radically transform people. I have found that like that is a factor. It is a massive factor. Sometimes, in fact, I'm talking with somebody and literally what comes up in my mind is, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. When I'm sitting with people and there's stuff that's wrong, I, I got to admit, the first things I'm thinking of is, what is your life with God like? Mm-hmm. What, is, what does repentance mean to you? Are you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus? Have you been water baptized? These are questions that come to my mind, and they're questions that I ask people when they have these conflicts in life, because these are places of surrender where we receive from God, and we're not just trying to be better, try harder. Mm -hmm. And um, But talk to me a little bit about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, how that just 
transforms people and causes them to be better disciple makers or disciple makers to begin with. Yeah, well, it's fundamentally vital to both being a disciple and being a disciple maker. Yeah. You know, it, do, it doesn't even make sense. On one hand, Jesus dies on the cross, is raised from the dead, mm-hmm. and uh, for 40 days he talks to his disciples about things related to the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. He is about to ascend into heaven. They look like they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And he says, ready, set, wait. <laughs> right. Ready, set, wait. Wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Yeah. And he was basically saying, until you're, clo- until you're clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit from on high, don't go. That's right. Once you're clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit from on high, don't stay. Mm-hmm. And so 10 days later... As we prepare ourselves for Pentecost, coming here in the in in the coming uh, uh, weeks, ten days later, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. Now they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And in our core four resources, the first book is our daily life journal, how to meet with God daily and deeply in the secret place. Mm-hmm. The second book is stepping into the kingdom, mm-hmm. how to be fully immersed in in Jesus in new birth, water baptism, and spirit baptism, and how to resolve spiritual conflicts in your life and get free. Because that was a big issue in the scripture where people weren't waiting two, three years to get free. Uh They, they, They were getting filled. They were coming into fellowship and they were getting free. The third book in the core four is Following Jesus, a Disciple's Handbook. Now you're ready, you're really ready to step up the journey with Jesus. The mm-hmm. fourth book is called Empowered, choosing to live by the power of the Holy Spirit in everything. Mm-hmm. Because I'm baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't think that makes me better than other believers who aren't. It makes me better off. Mm-hmm. And that's different. Um, you know, to have more power in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of uh, my mentors uh, years ago, uh, Roy Hicks Jr., said, "I don't know how a pastor or even a believer and a, a disciple lives successfully for the Lord every day without the gifts of the Holy Spirit." Mm. And then he said, "But maybe I do." Not very well. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> yeah. And so That's right. it is absolutely vital to be baptized and filled mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit because that not only gives us the revelation of what it means to to realize a more effective life in, in Jesus, mm-hmm. it gives us the divine capacity to carry out the mission both in word and in indeed. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be people of good news and good works. Mm-hmm. And some of those good works are handing out water and, and painting schools and uh, feeding the hungry and housing the homeless. But the Bible says Jesus went about everywhere doing good mm-hmm. as he was healing those who were oppressed of the devil. So we want to be people mm. who who you know are recognizing that part of what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. As a matter of fact, Jesus's final words were not preach the gospel and make disciples. 
Jesus' final words were, wait in Jerusalem until right. you're clothed with power from on high. That's right. That's right. I think I just want to close our podcast today by asking you to pray for anybody that's watching or listening to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, I meet so many people that are hungry to take a next step. So, of course, we go into repentance, surrendering to Jesus, not only asking for forgiveness for our past, but surrendering our future. Mm. That's what repentance has a lot to do with. We're not just feeling bad for what we did, but we're saying to Jesus, I give you what I am. Mm. And I think that people make those steps, but there is that lacking element. I need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by Him to do what I read in the Scriptures. And I, I, I feel like that's for some people, for, for whatever reason, I just have this sense that some people that are listening or watching, you really do need that. I, I believe that you need to take the next step in being a disciple, making disciples, and it starts with you receiving the power to do that instead of just trying harder. Okay, I'm going to try hard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what I can. This is Jesus's command. That's what we're talking about. We don't want to do what I want to do or you want to do. We want to do what Jesus says, but he gave us power to do it. And so, Pastor Dale, would you just pray? Um, we don't close all the time with prayer, but I think I just want you to enter in to this prayer, receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So just take a few moments and lead us in a prayer for that. Sure. Jesus, I remember 50 years ago when in one night you saved me and baptized me with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I remember not only feeling that sense of being radically cleansed and set free from the penalty and the power and the guilt and the shame of sin, I remember so clearly being clothed, being endued with your power, filled within and anointed without, and how I went from being a timid, shy, confused, depressed teenager into being a person with the courage of a lion on my high school campus. And I pray that mm. what you did for me and what you did for Ben, you will do for everyone listening to this mm -hmm. podcast. Yes, I pray that as they open to you, Jesus, as the baptizer with the Holy Spirit, that they would be mm -hmm. filled uh, to the overflowing mm -hmm. with the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit of God, fill, yeah. anoint, yeah. within and without, in and upon so that people might fully be those who not only can speak the words of Jesus, but do the works of Jesus in the earth today. Mm -hmm. We thank you that we are people who have at our disposal the full equipping, mm. the full empowering, the full enabling, the divine capacity that is needed to be able to live for you successfully uh, in the world, to, to, to follow you fully, to love you supremely, to represent you genuinely and powerfully in the earth. Fill to the overflowing, mm -hmm. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Dale. I love you. And uh, you can find out more about Pastor Dale. You can just look up New Song Nashville if you want to. 
uh, check out their website and their church. Uh, if you're in Nashville and you're listening to us, you can go to their church. Amen. It's a solid, Bible-grounded, Spirit-filled church, uh, and he's awesome. And he's got a podcast also that you can uh, f- you can find on their website. But uh, thank you for tuning in for Conversations with Ben Dixon. We will see you next week. Ooh.